0: You're listening to a Glasgow Women's Library podcast. This is part of our 21 Revolutions programme, celebrating two decades of changing minds at Glasgow Women's Library. For more information on the library, our 21 Revolutions programme, or any of our other work, visit our website at womenslibrary.org.uk. The Cat and Mouse Act was introduced because... um, People at the time were starting to feel more sympathetic towards the suffragettes because they were being um, force-fed in prisons. And so the Cat and Mouse Act was the government's reaction, saying, well, we can't have people being sympathetic, we can't have these women dying in jail because they're going on hunger strike, so we'll do this, we'll let them out, and then we'll, we'll get them again when they're healthy. Donna Moore, The Mouse's Umbrella November 4th, 1913 Alice shivered and pulled the thin blanket up over her chin. The wooden slats creaked underneath her slight frame. She sighed and watched the little puff of warm breath turn into fog in the cold room. Winter sun shone weakly through the dirty window high in the wall, and the thick stone walls stripped any heat from the thin shaft of light. The cold bored its way into Alice's flesh, icy fingers reaching out to glom at her bones. She breathed out again, trying to form rings like her Uncle Albert did with his smelly pipe smoke. Thirty days. Could she stand thirty days here? Keys rattled outside. She sat upon the bed, pulling the blanket around her. The heavy door opened, and a well-cushioned woman strolled into the room, a sturdy black umbrella over one arm, soft leather gloves on her hands. A do-gooder? Some sort of prison visitor? The newcomer adjusted her pince-nez and stuck her chin into the air. Her sharp eyes seemed to take in the high window, the two beds, the rickety chair in the corner, the metal wash-bowl, and Alice in one sweeping glance. She turned back to the wardress who stood behind her, face impassive. I see my usual quarters are unavailable, turnkey. I suppose this will do. "'The wardress flushed. "'And don't bother bringing me any luncheon. "'As usual, I won't be partaking.' "'She waved the now-flustered wardress away. "'No lunch?' "'Alice wanted to shout at this woman not to be so stupid.' "'As the door slammed shut and the keys rattled in the lock once again, "'the new arrival turned to Alice, "'giving a smile that made Alice feel as if she'd been gifted an extra blanket. "'The smile faded. "'Oh dear, oh dear!' Said the woman, taking Alice's chin in her hand, and turning her head firmly but gently from side to side. We can't have this. She strode to the door, petticoats rustling, and banged on it with the side of her hand. The metal shutter opened, and the wardress peered in. I've changed my mind. I do want luncheon delivered after all. She turned back to Alice and pulled off her gloves, holding out a hand covered in what looked like dried blood. Florence Crossman, she said. Alice hesitated. "'Don't worry about that, my dear. It's only red paint.' She grabbed Alice's hand and shook it with great enthusiasm, almost wrenching Alice's arm from the socket. Alice had never had her hand shaken before. "'Alice, ma'am,' she said. She gave a half curtsey then cursed herself silently. She was still angry with this woman for refusing food. With her fancy clothes and her fancy voice, what could she know of hunger? The woman felt around the navy-blue hat she was wearing. "'A bunch of bright red cherries on the top bobbed. "'Well, Alice, for heaven's sake, don't treat me as if I'm the Queen of Sheba. "'I'm a prisoner here, just like you.' "'She removed her hat and held up a pearl-ended hatpin. "'They should have taken this off me.' "'She turned the full force of her smile on Alice once again. "'It softened her oblong face, "'making her look like a queen Alice had once seen in a painting. "'Florence scanned the room, twirling the hatpin round in her spade-like fingers.' The red paint that covered her hands was all over the cuffs of the blouse she wore under the thick coat. Florence tucked the hat pin into the seam of the thin mattress on Alice's bed. They won't find it there. She pulled off her coat and sat on the bed, smoothing out her skirt. Now, my dear, you look like a child. Why are you here? A child? I've just turned eighteen, ma'am, and I stole a fish supper. They gave me thirty days. For stealing a fish supper? Well, no. Alice felt her stomach churning with shame. The thirty days was for Guy and the Paulists are doing when he caught me. Florence laughed loud and long, slapping her knee with glee as she heed and hoard. Alice enjoyed hearing that laugh. What about you, ma'am? Florence? Oh, let me see. I think I got nine months for breaking the windows of the city chambers, but it was so long ago and I've been in and out so much since my sentencing that I forget. What do you mean, in and out? The Cat and Mouse Act, my dear. Alice shook her head. She didn't know what the woman meant. Mr Asquith's delightful new law. We go on hunger strike and become weak. They let us out to regain our strength. Then they arrest us again after a week or so, if they can catch us. I've worked out that I shall be in and out sixty-six times before I actually finish my sentence. She beamed. Of course. By that time, I'll probably have sixty-six further offences under my belt, since I am rather good at escaping from whatever little mousehole I'm hiding in. She held up her paint-covered hands. This time they caught me red-handed, she heed and whored once again. I was caught painting the outside of the botanics. How could this woman think going hungry was a joke? Hunger strike? At least they don't force-feed us here, like they do in Perth prison. "'nobody would ever have to force Alice to eat. "'November 7th, 1913. "'Alice awoke to find Florence unpicking the hem of her coat. "'Florence hadn't eaten for over two days now, "'and her face was looking drawn and her movements were slow. "'She turned to Alice, holding up the paper and pencil "'she'd pulled from inside the hem of her coat. "'I thought I'd write to my friends, let them know how I'm getting on.' Would you keep an ear out for the turnkey, my dear? Alice nodded. How are you going to get a letter out? My friend Mary Crawford will be coming to visit. She'll sneak it out for me. Florence held out a pencil and a sheet of paper. She'll take one out for you, too, if you want to write to your people. Alice took the pencil and paper and looked down at them, not quite knowing what to say. No, it's fine, Florence. Florence studied her. "'But you told me how much your mother would worry. "'Don't you want to let her know how you are?' "'Alice shrugged. "'Oh, can he write? "'And even if I could, my more can he read?' "'Florence pursed her lips. "'Then she nodded. "'Right, my girl. "'We'll see what we can do about that "'once I've finished my letter.' "'She lifted the coat that was still on her lap, "'its hem now frayed and torn, "'and unpinned an enamel badge from the lapel. "'Alice had noticed it before.' A flag with stripes of green, white, and purple. Each stripe had something written on it. Florence held out the badge. In the meantime, you can copy these words. Alice turned the badge over and over in her hand. What does it say? Florence pointed to each of the words in turn. Votes for women. November 9th, 1913. Are you sure you're up to this, Florence? Of course, my dear. Besides, they'll be letting this mouse out of her cage in a day or so. Who knows when I'll be back? Carry on reading. Florence sat on the edge of the bed, ramrod straight, but drawn and pale. The lines on her face looked as though they had been engraved, and her eyes had lost their twinkle. Alice traced a finger across the words as she read aloud. Her voice was slow, heavy, hesitant. Footsteps sounded outside, and a key turned in the lock. The governess entered the cell, accompanied by two wardresses, struggling with an iron object and a sack. They dumped both unceremoniously on the floor. An umbrella stand, cold, grey, robust and no-nonsense, with a tray at the bottom. Scrolls and flowers cut into the metal gave it a gallus air. Alice stood up, her hands fluttering nervously around the edge of her apron, head lowered, trying to fade into the thick stone walls. The governess ignored her. Florence, are you sure you won't eat? Quite sure. The governess sighed. Aye, I thought as much. You asked for some entertainment for Alice when you're... out, and when she's not stitching in the workroom. This umbrella stand belongs in my office. It needs cheering up a wee bit. I thought Alice might like to paint it. She turned and strode out of the cell. At the door, she hesitated and turned back. Florence, is there... Thank you. Thank you. "'I neither need nor want anything.' "'The governess nodded. She had been dismissed. "'Alice opened the sack. "'She prized each tin of paint open with the end of one of the brushes. "'Look, Florence, look at this yellow. It's like sunshine, and this broad red. "'What colour shall I use to paint the umbrella stand?' "'Florence gave her a tired smile. "'Alice, you may paint it whatever colour your heart desires. "'Now, if you don't mind, my dear, I want to sleep for a while.' She closed her eyes. Alice watched her for a moment, troubled, then lined up the paint pots in front of her. White, pillar box red, black, sunshine yellow and duck egg blue. November 10th, 1914 Florence, you can open your eyes and look at it, now. Florence gave a pained laugh. Bring it over here, child. I'm too weak to come and see. The umbrella stand clanked on the stone floor as Alice heaved it over. I didn't have the right colours, but I did my best. See, Florence? Alice ran a hand along the front edge of the stand. The white was easy. There was a tin of white. That's purity, you tell me. The green was tough, but I added a wee bit of yellow to the pale blue. Hope, that's what you said the green means. I couldn't get the violet, though, and I tried all sorts of mixtures. She gestured to the plain stone walls. Now decorated with stripes and dots of varying hues. So I had to settle for in red and white. She sighed. It's just pink, that's all. But it's meant to be violet, and that means. Florence was silent. Alice struggled to bring the violet word to the forefront of her mind. Dignity. Aye, dignity. And you told me what that means, and. Well, that's you, Florence. Your dignity. But Florence's eyes were closed. Get the governess, Alice. Alice ran to the cell door and banged, banged, banged. December 3rd, 1913 Are you ready to go, my dear? Alice nodded, buttoning up her thin coat. The rain was rattling the small windows in their frames. Unlike me, you won't be back. Florence raised one stern eyebrow as she picked up Alice's hat and handed it to her. Will you? Aye, well, I'll be coming to visit you, but I'll not be back to stay. Now, remember that Mary Crawford is expecting you tomorrow, Bath Street. Thanks for getting me that job, Flossie. Florence snorted. "Oh, will Flossie you, my girl. And they'll help you with your reading and writing. Alice put her hat on and pinned it into place. Thanks, Flossie. "'I don't know what I would have done without you in here. "'I missed you when you was out. "'I almost wanted the cats to get hold of their mouse again.' "'Away with you, my girl.' "'The rain continued to hammer the window. "'Florence pulled her umbrella out from under the bed. "'Take this. I shan't need it for a while.' "'January 8th, 1914. "'Alice placed the brown paper squares "'into a neat pile on the table in front of Mary and Ethel. "'Mary leafed through the sheets.' "'Votes for Women' was neatly and carefully painted in black paint on each one. "'Thank you, Alice.' Mary patted her hand. "'You've done a grand job.' "'Can I go out with ya? "'Mary and Ethel exchanged glances. "'Florence would have our guts for garters. "'Oh, please, Mary, I'll not tell her.' "'Mary stood up and picked up her coat. "'Well, you can go along ahead and stick them to the windows. "'Ethel and I will follow and do the smashing. "'But you must keep your eyes peeled for the police.' And promise me that you'll run home once the sticking is done. Why are we bothering with sticking these to the windies? If all you two are going to do is break them anyway. Mary's lips twitched. Brown paper deadens the sound. Hopefully, Ethel and I will get halfway along Argyll Street before the police are made aware. She handed Alice a tin of golden syrup and a brush. Here, we use this instead of glue. It's cheaper and more effective. Alice's mouth watered as she looked at the tin. "'Shiny gold and green and white, "'with bees buzzing around the head of the resting lion. "'She walked out of the room, brown paper in one hand, "'syrup tin in the other, wide eyes still fixed on the tin, "'imagining the sweet goodness inside. "'Sometimes she still didn't understand these women. "'Oh, and Alice?' Alice turned. "'Mary was looking at her, head tilted to one side, bird-like. "'Whatever's left of the syrup?' take it home. Alice ran out of the building before Mary could change her mind. It was dark and quiet in Argyle Street. Alice looked around for signs of the Paulist, but she was alone. She tiptoed to the first shop window and placed the pile of brown paper on the cold ground in front of her. It was a milliner's. Women's hats decorated with flowers and feathers, frills and furbelows. Alice prized open the syrup tin and stuck her nose inside, inhaling the sweetness. She crouched down and picked up one of the sheets of brown paper, brush poised over the tin. She put the brush into her pocket and stuck the tip of her index finger into the syrup before pulling it carefully out and placing a miserly dot of syrup in each corner of the brown paper. After syruping four sheets of brown paper this way, she sucked her finger, not wanting to waste a drop of the golden goodness. She carefully pasted each sheet to the window and stood back to admire her handiwork. Votes for women. Votes for women. Votes for women. Votes for women. A good job done, using the minimum amount of syrup. It wasn't as though the paper would be up long anyway. She could see Helen and Ethel waiting on the other side of the road, stones in hand. Alice skipped onto the next window. February 10th, 1914 Alice sat down next to her mother on the shabby sofa with its faded red and green roses. The letter was written on the backs of old envelopes. "'Dear Alice,' she read aloud, her finger moving over the words. "'As you will see, I am writing to you from Perth Prison. "'Unfortunately, when the cats caught me this time, "'they brought me straight here, rather than to Duke Street. "'It's far more unpleasant here. "'There's no sympathetic governor, "'and I knew what I was in for the moment I refused to eat. "'Luckily, they'd forgotten to take my hat pin off me "'when they came to force-feed me.' "'and I managed to stab two of them in the back of the hand "'before they could hold me down "'and force the feeding tube into my nose. "'It was rather satisfying to hear their yelps. "'As you can imagine, I did not give in gracefully, "'and I rather think I gave one of them a bloody nose. "'I do hope so anyway. "'I shall gloss over what happened next, Alice, "'but it was not pleasant. "'I know that I must put up with it again, "'and the very idea fills me with both apprehension and defiance.' "'But do not fear, my dear. Never fear. "'With any luck, they will give up this force-feeding nonsense, "'and this mouse will be out of this rat-hole soon enough. "'Don't come and visit me here, Alice. "'It's not a pleasant place. "'I will see you very soon, "'and we will go to that little ice-cream parlour again. "'With much love, your friend, Flossie. "'P.S. Please tell Mary and Agnes that I will write to them.' Soon, and that there is a woman here who broke the windows of the Prime Minister's car with a large turnip. What a firebrand she is. February 16th, 1914 As Alice opened the door of the WSPU headquarters in Bath Street, the warmth came out to welcome her in, away from the cold dreech day. There would be a fire in the fireplace and the tea urn would be on, and there was always fresh baking on a Monday. Alice's mouth watered as she took off her coat and hung it on the coat rack. "'along with Florence's umbrella. "'She always carried it, rain or no rain. "'Alice was ready with her usual round of greetings, "'but only Mary and Agnes were there. "'Mary's eyes were red-rimmed, "'and Agnes's usually neat hair was escaping from its pins. "'Alice knew something was not right. "'Had she spelled a word wrong in a letter "'or forgotten to lock the office door when she left on Friday? "'Mary patted her hand, then gripped it tightly, "'squeezing and releasing.' I'm so sorry, Alice. Florence died in the prison yesterday. It was pneumonia. They got food in her lungs when they force-fed her. Alice said nothing. She took her coat from the rack, leaving Florence's umbrella hooked over one of the wooden arms. As she left the building, she tried to remember Florence's face the first time she had seen her. But all she could remember was Florence's face the last time she had seen her. When I was asked to write a story um, for the 21 Revolutions, I really struggled because there's so much in the archive that it was really difficult to choose something. But then I realised that the object that I've picked was right in front of my face every time I come into the library. It's a really sugary-looking umbrella stand um, painted in very faded colours of sort of a turquoise-green white and a sort of a pinky colour. Um, and it was given to the prisoners by the governor of Duke Street Prison, who was sympathetic to their cause. And when Duke Street Prison was being demolished in the 1950s, a social worker who was walking past um, the the building um, saw it in a skip outside. So she dragged it out, and eventually it found its way to us. Um, it's in a bit of a dilapidated state but I just think the history of it is so amazing. I love the idea that the suffragettes painted it for something to do while they were in prison. I'd I'd read quite a lot about the suffragettes anyway. I love the idea of the the suffragettes um, history and I'm really interested in, in that period and these really feisty women struggling for something that they really, really believed in against all of the odds and against a lot of public opinion at the time um, and I read a lot of the books that we've got in the library and there was a woman who stabbed people's fingers with a hat pin um, when she was in jail so I really liked her and I've sort of amalgamated a couple of characters and the main character in it uh, Florence Crossman is actually it's my grandma's name so she wasn't a real woman but my grandma was that sort of feisty, feisty woman but I also wanted to bring in most of the um, suffragettes were middle class women because they had the time and they had the money to um, to fight the good fight if you like Um, and I wanted to bring in a working class girl there were a few working class suffragettes and they did really wonderful things for the cause um, and I wanted to bring one of those into the story and that's where Alice comes from Thank you for downloading this free 21 Revolutions Glasgow Women's Library podcast. To find out more about 21 Revolutions visit our website at womenslibrary.org.uk. There you can find out about the 21 women writers and the 21 women artists who have produced limited edition artworks available to buy from the library while stocks last. You can also find out more about what we do, why we are special and how you can support us. It's all online at womenslibrary.org.uk.